say they like coast to coast, but on demand, raw and uncut interviews, and all without no ads. Once it's false, and once that's true, and the rate you sink grows too. America, America is here for you. Stories from the listeners, they sent to Graham. He'll read them and be amazed, but Darren may say no. One says red and one says blue, but if it's false, it just won't do. America, America is here. And one day, one of their women had a dream. She had a vision uh, which told her that there was a plant in her forest that if ingested by the men would drastically reduce their testosterone levels. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grimerica Show. We are going to be chatting with our good buddy Garnet Schulhauser again a little bit later about his new book. Uh, but first, as always... Graham, are we going to interview Dunlop? How's it going, buddy? Hey, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good for a Friday, a good Friday morning. Been in the That's, studio for four hours, and we've only done like forty minutes worth of recording. That's only ten a.m. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been good. We yep. fucked up the time zones again. Yeah, and we got luckily the right direction. Yes, I was scared when you told me we we messed up the time zones. But that's your pet peeve, right? Because we have to go forward. We went forward, and it's other people didn't go forward. Us. Okay, settle down there, buddy. It's I'm going to sign a petition. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'm going to get a petition going. I think there's already one in Alberta, actually. I just got to track it down and put the link in the show notes. I wonder if you have to be from Alberta to sign it. I don't know. Do we get listeners to sign my All over the world? Sign your time zone petition. Yeah. Are we the only? So what happens then? Some some provinces go forward and back, and others don't. I don't think Saskatchewan moves. No, they don't. Yeah, I don't think Arizona so, moves. So they chose not to move, though, or yeah, yeah, the state. Or did we choose to move? We chose to move. Oh, is that what? Are, what it is? Or I don't know. I don't know the history of fucking whether or not Saskatchewan changed and changed back, or what happened there. Yeah, I think that's but what it was. we change it for no. Apparent reason. Apparent reason. Other yeah. I think it's a big business thing. They get you, you use more lights. They get you an extra month of using your fucking lights no, in the morning. it's not about that. Come on. You you think you're the skeptical guy and you think that it's because of more lights? Like hydro is going to cost you like an hour more in the morning or something? Yeah. And not at night though? Why wouldn't it be like, what's the difference? I don't know. Maybe because totally you're at work in the morning, not at night. It's easier to, it's easier to, yeah. I don't believe that one at all. (laughs) Some some energy lobby wants the time to change. I tweeted a link about how big business was responsible for the time change. Yeah, I did see that. I didn't read it though. All right. Then you have no standing. Well, you should explain it better. I didn't read it. I just tweeted (laughs) (laughs) it. Do you ever read any of the things you tweet? I read some things. Yeah. You tweet a lot of Canadian stuff. Yeah. I noticed. We're Canadian. Why do you have some sort of CBC link or some sort of news like, feature of is my that, Is that what it is? iPhone. Oh. 
no you just, problem with that? No, I just, wanted, I just wondered what your process was like. That's all. I just see these tweets coming from you. And Don't worry about my process. You were about I already know your process. Okay. <laughs> so I know your process a bit. How about not burning the emails I have? <laughs> I've lost listener emails I had ready for the show here because you physically grabbed paperwork to burn to start a fire out of yeah. the studio. Thanks. Now I got to go through my emails <laughs> and try that and. That would have been a problem you'd face. <laughs> that I would boot in the door, steal paper. I was fire. I was needed to get a fire going ASAP. And you have to take my. There's no newspapers around or anything like that that you can use. No. You have to use my actual like listener emails to start a fire. Yeah, I guess. And the ones that I actually had to read. I thought I picked the old ones. <sighs> Anyways, I got more here. I apologize. I'll try to. I'm no longer burn things from the studio. Appreciate the listener feedback. Do you want to get into that now, or do you want to talk about some stuff like events from Calgary and today? Events from Calgary? You're eventing? Yeah, kind of. Sure. Well, I went to this, I invited you to go too, and I invited our buddy James, but I went uh, to my... No, uh, Stephen was there, and some other friends were there, but I went to, uh, to Stefan's house to watch a video of this free energy. How was it? It was pretty mind blowing, actually, and it wasn't like anybody selling anything or anything like that. But there's, he personally knows an autistic guy in Quebec who does this. Uh, like he puts all these copper coils together and stuff like that, and has um, some sort of switch, and he creates this basically this energy. Like he can run like let's say nine volts or something like that out of nothing, and so it's the video is all this edited sort of VHS tape and all, but it's of him in a room presenting some Some. of it is and some of it's dvd but he edited it all together just to 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 summarize it all right and he's in this room presenting to a bunch of people and he shows like he's got this plexiglass panel with the copper wires and all vcr did you no i didn't jesus sorry that's a credibility thing everybody's showing you his presentation on a vcr it's a huge problem for me yeah no it's all it's there's a beautiful clarify that Beautiful, big, big TV, DVD, everything. Don't worry about all that stuff. Anyways, it shows like this guy is. It was is, on a DVD. Yeah, I think so. Even no, that? it was uh, on a smart computer. It was, <laughs> for fuck's sake. <laughs> okay. It was on a smart computer. A smart TV. Know. Like it was all linked up with the TV. Like, okay. So it was okay. professional, yeah. if that's what you're looking for here. But it was also homemade, right? Like it's not something that's out there on the internet, right? I mean, this guy is, is a little. Is it on bit, YouTube? Not this whole. No, he can't really put it on YouTube because it'll cause a, a bunch of commotion, probably, and the guy will end come. up dead. Yeah, he's already been studied by NASA on all this. NASA is that like a NSA offshoot? Anyways, yes. Continue. Okay. Probably the NSA has been involved as well. So he's generating some sort of electricity, right? He really is. And I like it's very mysterious about how it works. Like he doesn't really know how it works. Does it either. turn on a light or something? Yes, and all kinds of stuff like is that. Is that how it's proven? That's what yes. you've seen? A light? All kinds of all kinds of different um presentations of how and what this what this can do. He can he can power do a power saw. Like you know what the what a skill saw. It can power a skill saw, not super fast, but slow. Oh boy! Oh, 
Just because that was a smaller one, right? Okay. Anyways, there's a ton of different the panels that this guy has created with copper wires and all this, and there's some very, very interesting... We should try and get the there's studio There's a consciousness right. aspect as well to it. 100% free energy. Can you just interact with me here in I a am. proactive way instead of making jokes? and Bring one. Bring, bring one. Bring video. Yeah. Can you, oh, can you bring an actual no, panel? You have to come and see it next time yourself. Okay, I'm just I'm relating that, it, that there's there's definitely stuff out there, right? That people are doing. The problem is it's hard to explain, right? I was going to build my own free energy machine. Yeah, I know that's why I wanted you to come because it would inspire you. Good luck. <laughs> what? Are you, how are you going to build your free energy machine? I'm not telling you. <laughs> Magnets. Anyways, it was. I great. will come next time. It was great. Oh, it, it's just it's it's kind of mind opening, show? right? It's kind of mind opening. You can, no, he, he can't. He's French. Oh, he doesn't even speak English, really. He doesn't speak. I don't English. think so. My 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 friend does, but the guy, the real guy. Oh, the guy who made the machine. Yeah. So Buddy's just relaying the information to you. Exactly. He's seen it he all didn't personally. Make the machine. He's seen it all personally. No, he's he's he knows this guy personally, and he's he's been given this raw data, like this raw footage and all that, and he compiled it into a DVD I for see. us. Yeah. Yeah, I'd very, like to see it. Yeah, very interesting. We'll do it again sometime. He's gonna have people over. Yeah, you just get a copy. No, it's pretty no, protective it's not, over. Yeah, it. it's kind of you got to go there and see it. Yeah, it was just like promise. Uh, promise not, not to, to put it on YouTube. No, yeah, no. I mean, he trusts me. I'm sure, but like he doesn't trust me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's probably listened to a few shows. He's like that Darren guy is not trustworthy. I seem like trouble. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll come watch at the secret screening. Okay. And make my own okay, assertions. Cool. Yeah. No, that's good. I and if it works, we should get the Igloo running on free energy. <laughs> we could get a couple guys meditating up on the roof if we need to. Okay. Sure thing. Yeah, I think there's a lot of there. I wonder if you get there. cats to meditate. Because they're supposed to be like uh, chakra cleansers or whatever. Oh, are they? So I wonder yeah. if you put enough cats in the box next to the machine, if that would. Well, that's interesting. You bring up cats it. because the guy that I was. Because I think I heard a rumor once that if you could cram like fucking fifty cats into the engine of my small block three fifty, you could drive. Really? From you the gen- static electricity generated. Now you're just shitting me. No, I read that. It was in a believe it or don't. I think. Have you heard about cats uh, taking? Um, Chronic stuff away from you, diseases and stuff like that, and help. I haven't heal. heard diseases, but I've heard they can help you here spiritually. They cleanse your chakras because the guy. Stephane- my cat fucking fills up my chakras with shit because she pisses me off a lot. So I wonder if that's somehow testing me. Or if my yeah. cat's just a bitch. No, you're testing it. You're supposed to learn how to deal with that. <laughs> how to just let the cat do whatever the fuck <laughs> it wants and get over it. <laughs> I got kids that teach me that. Stefan had a pretty interesting thing about his cat and uh, having the same uh, lymph node problem as him, being on the same medication as his cat, actually. I've been, I've been on the same medication as my cat before. Yeah. Ketamine. <laughs> Have you? K. Ketamine? Really? Once, yeah, when, Special I was, K? when I was in college. Really? How was that? Not fun. Really? I didn't enjoy it. Really? No. I wouldn't do it again. I never did it again. I did it one time. Wow. Didn't enjoy it. I did it too much. 
I think. Hmm. Like so many things, once you do too much of something, it's just never the same. Yeah, but how do you know the difference between a heroic dose and too much? That's a pretty fine line. Maybe it was a heroic dose. That maybe too much is a heroic dose that you're not ready to have. What about the DMT thing? Are you going to have a trip report for us soon? Maybe in the summer. Or did you lose it? No. Really? I don't lose things. Are you gonna, I'm looking forward to this. Are you? Yeah. Are you looking forward to living? Do you need a chaperone at all? Probably not. I don't need a... I don't need your entity kicking around, raking me while I'm vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> Start playing around with your energy. So speaking of that, I, I do have a, an email that kind of... hands off my energy. <laughs> what sort of email? What sort of jingle? Uh, it's going to be a, a, a possible trip report in the future. Speaking of psychedelics and stuff like that. Actually, this is kind of a, a lucid dream thing as well, and some feedback from. <laughs> is it real or a dream? What does that even mean? Okay, thanks, buddy. <laughs> okay, thanks for the jingles. Anytime. This is from our buddy Randy. Uh, who is uh, up north in BC somewhere, and he says, well, thank you so much for the shirt I sent you. 14 hours t-shirt. away. That's the guy. He wants to model our T-shirt for us. He gave us a big a pic of him in a gym. It's the best, best I've ever seen that T-shirt. Besides, uh, besides me, of course. You should put that on our website. Pictures of muscular <laughs> dudes in the T-shirt? <laughs> you know women wear the T-shirt. Yeah. They probably look better than you and the muscular dude. All right, so he says... Uh, <laughs> Just blazing right over that. Oh, and he talks, about, <laughs> he talks about if we need a Great America t-shirt model to let him know. Perfect. So he says, also, I want to let you know how your show has opened up my life and my mind to things I never thought possible. I would say probably three days a week I have a lucid dream. After listening to the Robert Wagner podcast, I tried asking the dream, what is the meaning as he said, there was a booming voice that replied, a booming voice that replied. I've had some interesting conversations with dream figures. The lessons that they have told me is that I'm not ready spiritually enough to receive the answers to the questions I ask. They have, they have said that when I'm ready, the answers will come. Buddy, I'm telling you, life is so fucking exciting now. So him and his wife, they're... Um, they're together up there and they make it a point after the Sunday morning group meditation that they go to, to go on a few hour nature adventure somewhere. And it's stunning. So he says he's been listening a lot to Joe Rogan and his views on DMT and mushrooms. We went for a kayak the other day and found a place like an enchanted forest. You can only get to by canoe or kayak. I'm telling you, Graham, it's the vis- biggest visual mind fuck you can imagine. It doesn't even seem real. So my wife and I are going to go out there and try small doses of a hallucinogen to try and take a shortcut to what deep meditation achieves. Tell Darren, don't worry. I'll be logging these events so if some cool shit happens, you'll be the first to know. And he just, he says, uh, his 5 a.m. workouts are much better listening to our podcast. You guys are hilarious. I will be in mid-workout and have a big laugh out loud and people look at me like I'm crazy. So he sent us a pic as well of the uh, the thing. Of this shirt looking the best you've ever seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just kidding, buddy. Don't don't take that too far. Building my case. So that's it. Can there I you have it, buddy. Can I see the pick? I, no, it's not available. 
in a private stash. I'm surprised you didn't use it for starting a fire. <laughs> oh, I saw know that guy. Deja vu. Yeah. So I got another one from a local dude. A local dude. Yeah. Well, oh yeah. Big thanks actually for Doug. He uh, he sent us a check, donated to the show, and he sent a little um, typed we'll note with the, it. We'll see how the check cashes. Yeah. <laughs> Hey guys, I discovered your show only about a week ago and I absolutely love what you're doing. I'm a finishing carpenter here in Calgary and I work alone, so I'm fortunate to be able to listen to a lot of audiobooks and podcasts while I work. I know what he means, man. I used to paint and do that. I devour like a book a day sometimes. Not anymore. Not anymore. She <laughs> had a headache. So he noticed earlier on that you're into synchronicities, as I am as well. Here's why I'm donating. Today I listened to your January 29th show with Mike Cleland. You were talking synchronicities and owls. And at the 153.45 marker, Mike was about to relate a story that happened on March 10th, 2013. Darren jumped in and said, hey, that's my birthday. I chuckled at the synchronicity and then stopped and said, wait a minute. I pulled out my phone and checked the date. Yep, March 10th. A sure sign to donate to Darren's birthday. There are no owls in my story except to say the girl that served me at Tim Hortons this morning did have nice hooters. Take care, guys, and since I'm sending this snail mail, happy belated birthday to Darren. So thanks, Doug. Thanks, Doug. And that leads me to uh, the No Agenda meetup. Some people that we that also listen to this podcast listen to the No Agenda show, and uh, we've got a meetup happening in Red Deer. Red Deer. So it's kind of like for No Agenda listeners, obviously, like a lot of people listen to the same podcast, but... It's a good way to connect with a bunch of like-minded people. So people that are local to Calgary or Edmonton or Alberta in general can join us sometime in May, June. And I'll put a link in the show notes to it. It's a No Agenda Meetup, and uh, it's under upcoming events. We should make the Vorak or Curry fly out for it. Probably if you get over 20. Well, no, I think if we get over 10 accepted, then uh, they'll they'll talk about it on, it on the, the show. show. So. The No Agenda is kind of not really like our style of show, but it's more about like media deconstruction and kind of more of like geopolitics and stuff like that. But it's still pretty fascinating. That's where I get my news. Yeah. So even if you're not going, sign up uh, and, and, and just RSVP that you're not going. That way at least we can kind of track some of the local NA crowd. Have you signed up yet? I have not. Why not? I don't know. Are you coming? Probably. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll have my, my night ring by then. Yeah, there you go. You can mm. punch someone in the face with your no agenda night ring. Yeah, thanks. What? Like I would ever do that. You would never? What if someone assaulted you? What if I assaulted you? I would just... I wonder not, if I can get you I to punch not. me. I would not. <laughs> That's going to be my goal this summer <laughs> is to get around to punch me. I would not. No violence. No? No. I'll test that. I've seen you pretty, pretty, pretty violent with your desk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what do you want to hear? Do you want to hear a double synchronicity from the UK or a, a little synchronicity from Halifax? You choose. I'm a rambling grand with synchronicities all over the web. And Darren is skeptical about everyone and don't So this is from Adam in, in Nova Scotia. Hi guys, I'm a new listener. 
I'm an illustrator, so I spend a lot of time at home hunched over my desk drawing smoking weed and listening to podcasts. I hope he doesn't mind if I read this. Smoking what? The green. Oh, I thought he was drawing <laughs> smoking things. I was all caught up on my favorites and starving for content to fill my long, hazy nights and stumbled across Grey America. I couldn't believe the number of shows you guys have already done, and I dove right in. I've been binging YouTube autoplay. I enjoy the interviews, but I like listening to you two the best. At times, I feel the banal voyeurism of eavesdropping on the table behind me at Tim Hortons, except Rupert Sheldrake is there, too. Anywho, I have a sort of synchronicity within a synchronicity for you. It's pretty mundane, but strange nonetheless. I was at my desk one night working on some artwork. I was drawing something, and I couldn't get it right. Just when I was giving up, some books on my bookshelf toppled over. My head snapped around and I realized the book that had fallen over had a reference image in it that would make my job a lot easier. As I said, pretty mundane, didn't give it a second thought. Later in the weekend, I was listening to MU, can't remember which episode, but Aaron was talking about something and went on a tangent, listing off strange phenomena. Immediately, I recalled my synchronicity earlier in the week and literally as the thought hit me, Aaron said the words shelf elf. As if my thoughts synced up with his words for a split second. It's certainly not beyond coincidence, but strange nonetheless. I commend your DIY attitude for not having paywalls. I donated what I could through PayPal. Uh, so, yeah, he donated some a couple bucks here for us. And he says, stop muting the weed smoking mic. I had a couple people. Say don't don't mute. Oh, that's really. I gotta Do mute. we have to get into that now? No. Wow. No, I mean like the not discussion muting. between not muting or muting. I can't believe oh. people like to hear that. Yeah, they like like to hear my antics. Oh, jeez. So I've started muting the recording, but not the guest. Maybe I should do vice versa. Anyway, I forget what I was. Did you read say. Justin's blog on our website there? Not yet. I've been building a deck. Justin, oh yeah, how's that going? It's fucking a mission. Is it? This finally, this last week. Your hands and like building I do. Something? I like to build things. I enjoy it. It's just there's so much to do, and it's just it becomes a lot of work. And I'm like a person who likes to get things done. You know what I mean? I don't like things to drag out over fucking weeks. Really? Like to just when I'm building things, you I like just want to get it done. done. Yeah. That's so the landlord, so so your landlord is like, that's why I did like, so well at work. So when I'm building shit, it's like, okay, let's go. Let's get this fucking thing built and get on to the next one. Right. Because of that sense of accomplishment. Yeah, exactly. I, I seek that sense of accomplishment. Probably fucking something happened to me when I was a kid that I just need to finish the job to feel good. Otherwise, okay. it fucking bugs me. Really? Especially like if I'm sitting on the couch and it's like still bright outside doing really? something and I could be finishing that. Wow. But then on like Sunday, after doing two 13 hour days, Saturday and Sunday, I fucking, I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing nothing all week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm not touching it. That's what I did. I took the whole week off. Didn't do and nothing. so how does that, so how does that work? You, you build a deck and then you don't have to pay rent for a while to your landlord? Yeah, we were going to move otherwise because we got a nice spot and everything, but um, with the economy coming down, some other places were coming up in our price range and the... There's a couple things here. Like, we couldn't even really let the kids out on the back deck too much. They could only go in that one little section of it, really. Why is that? Because it was really rotted out. Oh, really? Like, like, when I stripped it down, some of the joists turned to dust. Wow. Just kick them and they fucking disintegrate. Wow. So once we stripped all that down, put in all new joists, and redecked it all with pressure-treated. Hmm. 
And now I've just started putting the handrail back up, which I'll finish right after we're done recording are this. Are you going to pa- paint it or stain it or something? Like I'm going to, well, the other stuff, the, the handrail I'm redoing, the handrail wasn't rotted. It's so dry here without the standing water on it. Um, so that's still kind of painted. So I got to probably rent a pressure washer next weekend. We'll go grab a good pressure washer from Home Depot or wherever and fucking spray it down. Because I heard that works better than sanding. Oh, yeah. If you can, yeah. If it comes off, yeah, for yeah. sure. It's and too you just hard gotta on let the wood dry, sometimes. Though. And you just got to really let it dry. Yeah, you got to be careful with it. If you just, put it too close, you'll just eat right into the wood. Yeah. Okay. I'll get a feel for it on some scrap. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. I could probably help you paint it or stand it or something at some point. And then I want to paint it. Well, mm. at some point, I'll probably want to. I think in the fall, I want to look at maybe painting the house. Oh, yeah, it needs a good paint job. It needs a good paint job in there. Yeah. Like maybe mm. send the wife and kids away for the weekend and just. Yeah, it takes it's going to take you like a full weekend. That's at least. what I yeah. figure. I like start Friday. It's, it's going to be way longer than you expect. Yeah. So, hmm. probably hire you on for that. Sure. Won't, won't pay you. Won't pay me? What do I get out of that? You get just a, that sense of accomplishment <laughs> with me. You can chase that sense of accomplishment with me. So anyway, I made the deal with the landlord that uh, if we want to stay, there's a, two things. There's a bathtub and then redo the front and back decks. And uh, hmm. the back one especially. I mean, the front one isn't a big deal. It's only six inches off the ground, but the back one's 12 feet high. So Nice. So we've been doing that. I'm, right on. Yeah. So did you read Justin's blog? No. So this he, weekend I'm hoping oh. to get some shit done. So he, he wrote a blog about, uh, it's called. The anecdotal one? Anecdotal. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I kind of cool. perused it quickly, but I haven't really jumped into it. But Justin's blogs are always great. Yeah, I'll link to it in the show notes as well. But I wanted to talk about it because anecdotal, it's interesting how, how, how messed up we are about needing evidence for stuff. Like, remember I was talking about that, uh, that piercing, that daith piercing? from my girlfriend's migraines getting pierced yeah we read up on it and stuff because she heard that this piercing could help migraines right and there's a bunch of people poo-pooing the idea Does because she of the lack of sure? evidence right can you just listen to a conversation <laughs> I'm, <listening. laughs> I'm just wondering <laughs> i don't no, i don't think so okay continue <laughs> i have a couple of female shirts actually in the closet if they if they want them because they're separate they're different shirts right smaller they're kind of built for figure yeah yeah so where was i so anyways people were poo-pooing it because of the lack of scientific evidence right it's one of those things like who cares if people say that it that it works and you get a piercing and it does something who knows what like why not try it right no there might be a meridian or something going on something so something has changed for three months she hasn't had a migraine really that same she's had headaches and she had a migraine on the other side, but the side that she used to have the migraines on, and you know, your wife has migraines, right? She you know how crazy it is, right? She hasn't three had months. one in, in three or four months either. But she's started taking magnesium. Yeah, And that, that helps seems too. to be offsetting them. Mm-hmm. That's good. We so, just kind of go through, that's what we've been doing for years now, is just going through and trying one thing at a time. Yeah. Try that, and you think you're getting somewhere, and then bam, yeah. you get a migraine back to the fucking yeah. drawing board. Or yeah. is it just a weird one-off that snuck through? Or, yeah. You know, it's such a fucking tricky field to navigate. Yeah, and there's all different kinds, right? Like, she gets chronic migraines, right, where it would happen, like, every day for a while or on day after day and or um, 
you know, multiple times a month, like 15 times a month. So to see something change, like where it's been three months, that's pretty incredible from a freaking piercing, right? Yeah, no doubt. But something relieved pressure. Doing that piercing in that area, that date piercing, like it relieved some kind of pressure. Maybe cut off that. some sort of like vagus nerve thing or... Vagus nerve? Yeah. What's a vagus nerve? That's the big, your big nerve that they... Makes you want to go to Vegas? They try and... St- <laughs> <laughs> it's the gambling nerve. No, Vegas. Oh, okay. Not Vegas. Okay. You didn't say Vegas. I might go to Vegas in September. Never been. Really? Oh, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. For the wife's birthday, we're talking about maybe saving up. Just be careful there. uh, You may not come back. The mother-in-law's offered up a babysitting. Come out to babysit for a weekend if we want to go away. Nice. Yeah, that'd be good. uh, Yeah. Take off. Well, I should stay out of trouble. My drinking days are mostly behind me. So. Yeah, but if you, if you, yeah, just be careful. <laughs> yeah, Grand America host goes to Vegas, doesn't come back. <laughs> Get some vague ass while he's there. Do you want to hear a couple more synchronicities or should we save them for next time? Uh, a couple more should be okay. Really? All right. So this is from, uh, this is from Callum in the UK. He says, hello, guys, jumping on the recent UK bandwagon and send you guys this email from Scotland. I've UK been, posse. Yeah. It's a hashtag now. I've been <laughs> unsure about whether or not to send you these two odd events for well over a year, but decided after retelling these to a few friends recently that you both had to hear. Thanks for all the great work you do by putting together a top quality product. Grimerica is a fantastic show with a great mix of guests, unique content, and perspectives not found anywhere else. And for this reason, I'll be sending in my first donation at the end of the month. I know the douchebag jingle is appropriate here. That's from No Agenda, which we were talking about earlier. We don't have a douchebag jingle. We're too polite for that. Yeah. We're Canadian, eh? If you deem these worthy of airing on the show, I would ask that you keep me. Did you already say his name? I I told him. It's okay to say his first name. I asked him. So he's got a double synchronicity here. Over a year ago, around Christmas time, I was walking through the busy city center picking up some last-minute gifts. For around six months before this, I'd be attending, attending a Buddhist temple for meditation, and I'd been a solid daily meditator for around eight months. By this point, I was feeling more aware than I ever had and extremely clear cognitively. I have a feeling this had something to do with the synchronicity. By mid-December, I had stopped attending the weekly sessions in the temple for around two weeks. As I made my way along the main street in a slow and mindful walk, a thought suddenly pushed its way to the front of my mind and said, I should go back to the temple. I had barely enough time to entertain this thought before I had, while still walking, turned my head to the right to see the class instructor from the temple sitting in the window seat of the restaurant I was passing by. The sensation of deja vu hit me like a brick a brick wall as I realized who it was and I, I couldn't believe my eyes. I carried on walking along the road with a burst of adrenaline from what had just happened. When the thought had pushed its way to the front of my mind, I had been about one shop before this restaurant window with the, with the thought still in my mind as a, for no reason at all, I turned my head to the right to see the instructor. I could not have known they would have been sitting there until I was directly parallel to the restaurant window and looking at the instruction only a few meters away from me. The instructor hadn't noticed as I walked by, and I continued down the street almost in shock that I could have had a thought like that seconds before seeing this person almost face to face. This isn't a small 
area either. I live in a highly populated city, so I can't imagine what the chances are this situation would have happened. But it didn't end there. I went on down the street for over 10 minutes as I walked toward the nearest train station. I came to within two blocks of the station and been wondering, wandering, actually it's wandering for a few minutes. Should I head... Wandering while wandering? Yeah, exactly. Should I head straight to my friend's house or head on home and practice playing piano for a little while first? As I neared the station, I chose to walk down a street I don't normally use with the question still on my mind, look to my right again to see a gas station with the word piano spray painted in capital letters across the back of its exit sign. Once again, I almost couldn't believe my eyes and strangely enough, coupled with the sensation and deja vu, I felt extremely lucky. Needless to say, I went on home to play piano and decided to make time for the weekly meditation sessions again. Both of these synchronicities took place within 15 minutes of each other and I felt the strongest feeling of deja vu I've ever experienced. I can't possibly imagine how this combination and almost precognition could have come together, and I haven't had any comparable experiences like this one. That's my double synchro, two strangely unconnected thoughts, but nonetheless, very unusual. Thanks again to you both. I agree with playing the piano. I've been learning how to play violin. I got a violin for my birthday. So what if you were thinking about going home and doing that and not sure what you'd do and you turn around and see violin spray painted somewhere? I would probably not listen, but I think I should come home and play my violin. Yeah. I think any time it's a better choice. No, but wouldn't that be quite pretty? Yeah, I'll give it an eight. Really? Yeah. Wow. The two of them together. Mm. I've got a similar one I've been saving up from Anna, and I think it I wonder fits if, in with this. I wonder if that people calling and people seeing and... You know, thinking of people right before you see them or right before they call. What if that's got something to do with your fields crossing? Yeah, I think so. There's some sort of connection going on there. Yeah. You're picking up something, right? Like you're picking up something. Yeah. This is a good example of this one. Wait till you hear this one. This is from Is this the same one? Oh, this is the one I burned? Yeah, you probably burned this piece of paper. Sorry, I found the, (laughs) the second. This is the second one. She sent me three a while back and I've been saving them up. So the second synchro occurred after I had begun a new job a few months after that incident. So there was a guy, this customer, who had come into the small store where I worked, who I had an immediate crush on. One day, I had taken the subway to 14th Street, but had to transfer to another train. And in order to do that, I had to walk down this long, long tunnel, which connects the two stations. It was right around rush hour, which meant this tunnel was packed with thousands of people, with one line streaming in the direction I was headed and the other streaming in the opposite. I had my headphones on and my head down, just falling into the rhythm of the moving line. Out of nowhere, this guy from the store popped into my mind, and I became overwhelmed with a feeling of such joy and calm that I smiled. At that very moment, I looked up, and this guy's face was 10 feet away from me, coming right toward in the opposite line of people. I was smiling from thinking about him, so when we locked eyes... With me, and he smiled back and gave a wave. (laughs) But from my shock, I didn't wave back, just staring at him, smiling, incredulous at what I was seeing. This also happened within about a five second time frame. And because both streams of people were moving so fast, I couldn't even stop to say anything to him or even think about it. So that's very similar to me, like that, that just something comes to your mind like that, so powerful. 
a clear thought and then you look up and it's right there like out of the station or fields crossing again fields crossing that could be some sort of maybe intertwined souls is that like the ripple stick the, thing you're that could about? be kind of ripple sticky <laughs> i think it's more of a past life thing their souls are intertwined it's just a matter of time until so when you're up. that close like you're actually yeah. connecting in yeah. some way you've got your history is so so she's like picking up that energy and then she's thinking yeah. about him and then she looks up and he's right there looking at her yeah that's pretty crazy maybe they've had some sort of special relationship in a past life yeah or maybe not reminds me of uh the books the one great year kind of thing from when's Ren- the next Rene? one of those coming out Rennie Rennie <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I don't know, but thanks, Anna. Three years are you, are you gonna, isn't enough. Are you going to rate that guy? Audio syncrities? Audio syncrities? Is that what they'd be? No, I think you're getting... What? Eccentricities? Yeah. Eccentricities? I think we just drop it right there. Just getting word. There's some emails for you. So are you going to rate that one from You know who takes the time to email? People who don't like your fucking grammar. What? People who don't like grammar will take the time to email. Why do you say that? Or people who don't like people who don't use grammar properly. You know these people. I don't know what you're talking about. Whatever. You've lost me, buddy. <laughs> it's just a matter of time. Do you gonna, are you going to rate Anna Synchro there? She's uh, pretty powerful. Eight. Wow. Two similar. similar. Well, thanks for everyone to email in the feedback and the stories and all that. We'd love it. Yeah. It's like I keep Couple waiting for other stories too. Yeah, I should feel this, blessed. <laughs> just people just can't stop sending synchronicities, and it's funny. That's good. Keep them coming, and we don't have to come up with content because it's not nearly as interesting. I'm going back and forth with Jason, who's a little more skeptical, and I responded to his. He's been he's been calling this. He thinks we're just pattern seeking individuals looking for these synchronicities. Like I'm a pattern seeker for sure. Yeah, but you think there's more to it than just coincidence, right? Could be. Could be. There are no coincidences. Do you see the one about that same kid who was at the Brussels attack, the Paris attack, and the... Was that real? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Did the media talk about it, or was it some YouTube video that talked about it? Uh, it was No, it was like an anti-media website I was on. Yeah, exactly. Unless it's all fabricated, which I suppose is always a possibility. Disinformation kind of thing to, to sort of hype up the conspiracy. Just making shit up. I think that happens. So it was the same oh, kid that was actually at Brussels, Paris, and the Boston bombing. The same kid yeah. at the same teenager at the, all three of those. Yeah, like just, just shown on video or on camera or something. So then people are calling. I don't know a if it was actually on camera. No, he he's mentioning that he was. Wow, he's a missionary or something. Wow, I did want to mention too. Actually, uh, one of my wife's best friends nephew was hit by a car and they're doing a GoFundMe for his rehabilitation. So um, I'll send you the link to that to put in the show notes. Okay. Um, I would say if you're hovering between sending us 10 bucks or sending them 10 bucks, they probably need it more. That being said, send us 10 bucks too. Um, yeah, check out all the details are there. I don't want to get too into it here, but if you check, check out the link, uh, the story and everything's all there. And uh, they could use some help. All right, buddy. Um, I think that's about it, eh? Yeah, we got to talk about the upgrade. Didn't we talk about yeah, that Yeah, we're 33% sold out. Well, we're more than that, actually, aren't we? Or? No, we're almost exactly. Actually, really? we're probably about 33.3. 33. 
Okay, so so we're we you know as people know we don't have any paywall here. There's all the contents for free. It's yeah. value for value. We ask for donations from our listeners episode. just to help. There's no ads, no portals, no sponsorship. But we do need a new recording computer because the piece of crap you have over there is like nine years old. So yeah. we're fundraising for a new Mac, and uh, we're we're basically asking for donations, and we're gonna sort of raffle off a chance to come on the show or not a chance but to come on the show with a guest and also an ipad full of stuff yeah come interview a guest with us some swag get an ipad with some pictures we'll do a little photo shoot take some pictures of the studio and stuff um i don't know about a photo shoot i mean we'll just we'll throw some audio books studio. in there and some, we'll take some pictures and of the studio right and grab no favorite person <laughs> um yeah, a couple T-shirts we'll throw in there, some magnets, a mug, mouse pad, and uh, yeah, come on the show. And so we're only selling like 125. 125. We're either doing 125 tickets or June first, whatever comes first. April, May. So we still have two months to do it. Yeah. Yeah, but I'd like to do it much sooner than that. Yeah. So, uh, like I say, we sold 40 some tickets now, so we got another 60 to go, or 80. Yeah, and thanks to all the people that donate. It really helps the monthly yeah, expenses. Yeah, right? absolutely. Sign up, check out grammarica.ca slash upgrade for your chance for the iPad prize pack. And uh, while you're there, head over to grammarica.ca slash support. In the last like uh, few weeks, we've had uh, a few people sign up for, yeah. for a new monthly subscription. Oh, so that's awesome, yeah. And you know, some of them or a few of them are a buck a month or two bucks a month, which is uh, just fine with us, you know. Everyone who listened to the show gave a buck a month. We would never have to ask you guys for anything. Yeah, right on. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the chat with uh, Garnet, our old buddy Garnet, and uh, we'll see you in the outro. Actually, wait for it. Where's it going in? Did you think you're going to get away with that right where we left off? At the end? Yeah. Jeez, almost forgot the UFO quote. <laughs> and I got a special one for you. And it's very timely. It's Hillary pledges to dig into the UFO files on Jimmy Kimmel. So let's, let's, let's uh, check it out here. President Clinton on the show, he said, I asked him about UFOs in Area 51. Hillary will say anything if, to win. If you looked in, because if I was president, that's the first thing I do. I go right in a those files and see right. what was going on. Right. And he said that he did do that. Yes. And that he didn't find anything. Well, I'm oh. going to... I'm going <laughs> to do it again. Yeah, why not? Right? And, and you know, there's a new name. It's Unexplained Aerial Phenomenon. Unexplained Aerial Phenomenon, yep. really? Yep, UAP. That's the latest nomenclature. I so, like the old one. I like UFO. I don't know why. Well, it... I think we can use them interchangeably, but I would like us to go into those files and hopefully make as much of that public as possible. If there's nothing there, let's tell people there's nothing there. What if, if there something. is something there? Well, if there is something there, unless it's a you know, threat to national security, I think we ought to um, share it with the public. Well, what if everybody's all hopped up on medical marijuana and everybody gets paranoid? <laughs> So he has well, to just, he can't go into it deeper, eh? If you share it with me, I'll decide what is the best course of action. I really have my ear to the ground. Well, you know, I'm more than happy to do that. Are you jealous of Bernie Sanders? Okay, thanks, Jimmy. Because it is a...
Now he just gets into all this other stuff. Thanks for not expanding on that whole thing, Jimmy. But, I mean, it was pretty fascinating. Hillary talking about UFO versus UAP. Yeah, there you hey, go. what if she uses this on her platform? She's like, elect me and I'm going to get to the bottom of the UFO Why industry. Why are you doing these political hand signals? You're watching too much Trump. It's I don't control. watch any Trump. Well, you should be watching more. I don't watch, I don't even really follow it. It's just interesting to me. What yeah. if Trump says, no, I'm going to also get to the UFO. He's doing Deal. 9-11. Well, he's doing that. <laughs> 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 it's the battle. Yeah. Hillary and the UFOs versus Trump and the 9-11. Yeah. Wouldn't that be interesting? If they both Either thought. way, we're fucking, we're, we're sad. If Either way, we're being through. lied to. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we got Graham's quote in. One of these That's weeks. it? You don't have to say, you don't, you're not excited by that or anything? No. You think it's just bullshit? It's just political. Just political bullshit? Yeah. I get more excited about uh, ingrowing hairs. I don't know. I think it's pretty cool that you mentioned that. I, yeah, but she's just pandering. Yeah, I guess so. But Bill, her husband, didn't get to the bottom of it. She's gonna know. Yeah. Except it'll all be national security anyways, right? So it won't be released. Well, yeah, we found some stuff, but it's national security. Confidential. Bullshit. <laughs> all right, okay. well, thanks for... Uh, yeah, thanks for the ligno- Thanks for the lesson and hand signals. And uh, thanks to Hillary. Thanks to Graham. Thanks to uh, Garnet. Enjoy the chat. Tonight we have back on the show Garnet Scholhauser. He was on the show in Crime America back Last in May. May. Yeah, May. Uh, episode 115, I think. And we had a lot of good feedback about that. And Garnet's come out with his, his third book, which is called Dance Dance of Heavenly Bliss. And he's uh, he recounts more astral adventures with Albert, kind of like his spirit guide. We'll hear more about that. And the... Uh, the sub, <laughs> the sub description is divine inspiration for humanity. So we're really happy to have you back on, Garnet, and uh, thanks for coming back. Thanks for inviting me. I'm delighted to be back here. I had a lot of fun the, the first time last May, and I'm looking forward to today's uh, interview. Yeah, I can't believe that uh, a year's gone by already, and we had lots of good feedback. And I love these stories about spiritual awakenings, and it sounds like uh, you know yours is kind of kind of continuing on. Yeah, it's it's continuing. And Albert, uh, my spirit guide, as you mentioned, he has, uh, uh, you know, after my first book, Dancing on a Stamp, he came back and uh, took me on some astral adventures, uh, which I detailed in uh, my second book, Dancing Forever with Spirit. Then he came back again into my life for more astral adventures. And I've chronicled those in my third book, Dance of Heavenly Bliss, which has just been released. So 
that's uh, presumably what we'll talk about today. But I'll let you go anywhere you want to, uh, Graham. Yeah, no, I mean, I want to, I want to go with with that and see where where things have left off. Like, we don't have to go too far back to your original book, so maybe just start off with, uh, you know, after book two and all that, and and how how some of your adventures have continued. I mean, if people want to go back, they can they can listen to the first one, or maybe we should just talk a little bit about your maybe just do like a real Cole's Notes version of your original one. And then, uh, and then we can get into your, you know, your sure, latest you, one. Just for people who aren't familiar with my books or myself. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so you spoke about my transformation. Very true. Um, I was uh, a, a lawyer practicing in Calgary, your hometown. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. And, Are you still? Uh, no, I certified? retired. I retired in two thousand and eight. Do you lose that? Is that something you have to keep up, like a welding ticket? Well, I, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I voluntarily resigned for the bar because I didn't want to practice anymore. So. So I, I resigned. I'm not a not a practicing lawyer anymore. Don't want to be, actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say, I think you're the only lawyer we know, so you might get a call one day. It's just a matter of time until America gets in legal trouble. <laughs> well, I'll keep that in mind, but, but I don't practice, so I'm not going to be of any help to you. But I did practice for 34 years in Calgary in, uh, with Bennett Jones and uh, well, two firms, uh, that Bennett Jones is the last one, uh, in Bankers Hall East Tower. Yeah, yeah. You guys know where that is? Oh, I'm sure Darren's been there, yeah. <laughs> I built Banker's Court. Oh, he built Banker's Court, yeah. There you go. So, so anyway, um, it, this was back in May of 2007. I was still practicing law, and I went for a stroll down the street one sunny afternoon in May down to Stephen Avenue Mall and uh, just to get some fresh air. And I walked for a block or so, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a homeless man jumped out in front of me. And he looked like a typical homeless man with uh, long stringy hair and scraggly beard and dirty clothes. And, you know, he smelled like a dead fish. Uh, so he, he, he really filled the role of, of being one of those homeless people. I'm sure you guys have run into him on the, on the Stephen Avenue Mall before. Um, but I usually, my usual tactic was just to go around them. But this guy was different because he had these amazing, dazzling blue eyes. And he, he was looking at me like he was penetrating deep down into the depths of my soul. And I felt like he knew everything about me, everything I'd ever said or done and all my deep and darkest secrets. And uh, I, I didn't know how he knew this because we'd never met before. I'd never seen this guy before. Um, and at the same time, his gaze was sending me this wave of, of pure and conditional love that was just infusing my whole body with an amazing sense of peace and security. So I stood there like a deer caught in the headlights. I'm not sure how long I stood there. I didn't really care because it was just wonderful basking in this guy's uh, uh, gaze. Then he broke the spell by saying to me, why are you here? <laughs> and then quickly disappeared into a nearby store. And uh, when I finally collected my wits, um, I, I figured, well, gee, I, I better go find this guy. I need to find out who he is and why he stopped me. So I went into the store and he was nowhere to be seen. There was only one entrance and only one exit, and he hadn't come out, but he wasn't in the store. So I went back out on the street, and I walked up and down trying to find him, but he had disappeared into thin air. He just wasn't anywhere. So the next day, I came back to the same street, same time, uh, hoping I could find him. And I walked up and down for a while, and after uh, a few blocks there, I spotted him sitting on a bench all by himself. And so I went up to him, and I said, who are you and why did you stop me the other day? And he said, ah, he said, I'm a soul just like you and I'm here to help you with your journey and answer your questions. <laughs> so that was the start of a dialogue I had with this guy that went on for the next few months. And he told me his name was Albert and he was really one of my spirit guides in disguise. 
And he told me that I was the only one who could see him in physical form. So had anybody else been passing by the bench that day on the Stephen Avenue Mall, um, they would have seen me sitting by myself. Talk, talking to yourself. Talking to myself, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure some people give me some really funny looks. Uh, and I didn't care because he was a very fascinating guy, uh, very wise soul, um, and, he, and he gave me a lot of startling revelations that really flew in the face of what Christian holy men had been preaching for centuries. Uh, and so, and, and, and part of the reason he showed up was not just to satisfy my curiosity. He wanted me to write a book about what he told me so that his revelations would be available to everyone. And so that resulted in my first book, Dancing on a Stamp. And so um, after I finished that book, uh, he disappeared out of my life for a little while. And then suddenly he came back into my life quite abruptly in a different fashion. And, and, and basically I woke up one night, uh, I was sound asleep in my bed, woke up, and I could see this ghost-like ethereal figure standing in the doorway of my bedroom. And uh, so I was wondering, like, what, what the heck is this? When it moved closer towards the foot of my bed, I could see it was Albert, my old friend Albert. He was in astral form. And so I said, you know, hi, Albert, you know, what brings you here? He said, I'm here to take you on a series of out-of-body adventures, some astral traveling, because I want to take you to the spirit side and to meet some wise souls there and to take you to see other places in the universe because I want you to write about what you see and what you hear mm. because a picture is worth a thousand words. So I said, well, okay, I've never done this before, so lead the way. So he then reached out and basically grabbed my astral hand and pulled my astral body out of my physical body. I've never done this before, so it was really quite strange. I turned around and looked, and then laying in my bed was still my physical body, sound asleep. And so I said, okay, Albert, lead the way. And he just led me up uh, through the ceiling, up through the clouds, and we hovered for a few seconds above, high above our beautiful planet. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really quite, quite a different experience because when you're in astral form, you basically have no weight. Uh, you can pass through walls and ceilings and whatever, you know, and you can basically travel at the speed of thought. So it was really quite a different experience. So then he, um, then he led me through a shimmering doorway to the spirit side. Uh, and then in the very first time I and it described in my second book, Dancing Forever with Spirit, I met with some of my deceased relatives, including my mom and dad and brother, um, and uh, my little dog, Oscar, who had passed away 10 years beforehand. Um, and then I went to, and, and to the white city called Aglaia, where mm. he uh, introduced me to the first stop was sort of with the Council of Wise Ones, which is a body of very wise and advanced souls whose job it is to oversee all the incarnations on Earth. So that was the kickoff of my first set of astral adventures. And, and so that resulted in my second book, as I mentioned, um, after I'd finished that manuscript, he then appeared again in my life, uh, once again in astral form, showed up in my bedroom unannounced and said, come on, we got a new set of uh, adventures for you. And I want you to write about these in your third book. And uh, that led to the writing of my third book, which has just been released, Dance of Heavenly Bliss. So that's sort of how Albert came into my life. And it's been a, an amazing adventure, uh, an amazing transformation in my life because I went from being a button-down, uh, you know, straight-laced corporate lawyer in Calgary uh, to someone who's, uh, you know, almost 180 degrees opposite in terms of, uh, you know, my outlook and, and how I look at things and, and what I'm doing right now. So it was, uh, it was quite a change for me. Uh, you know, I, I, he, he took me on a much different path than I had been on before, and uh, it's been quite amazing. Wow, thanks for that summary there. 
Yeah. Do, do you feel like I, I might have asked these questions last time too, too, but I am jealous. I was going to say, can we get Albert over here and to drag me out one of these nights? But <laughs> 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 I didn't want to ask if he's for hire, but like I'll, I'll you know, I'll You've just donate something. You've just cheapened somehow. It seems I know. Like. Sorry. But I, I'm, I'd love to try it, you know, be a... Graham's an avid astral traveler enthusiast who never actually astral travels. <laughs> that's okay, but keep hoping, and one day it might happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. It'll it'll happen one day. I can't even really lucid dream very well. I'm just trying yeah, to start with all the that, gadgets. <laughs> so, so do you think um, do, when you're writing your books, do you feel like it's like a channeling experience, or is it? Um, is there is there a part of that? Like he wanted you to write the books. Is he sort of like shining through you as well when you, when you write them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is not in a direct sense because what <clears> happens <throat> is every morning after I pop back in my physical body and I'd wake up, I'd remember the trip I had the night before very vividly, and so I'd go to my computer and I just quickly write down notes of what I'd seen and heard and and who I talked to, and that that formed the basis of my uh, of my manuscripts. But when I was actually sitting down to write the manuscript based mm-hmm. upon my notes, I felt for sure that I was getting, you know, inspired messages from the spirit realm. And uh, I don't know if it was Albert or other people, but uh, certainly, uh, you know, Albert w- once said to me that uh, all writers, when they're writing, they're really channeling spirit uh, because most of their ideas come from spirit, even though they don't realize it. Uh, and they may think that all this brilliant thoughts that are popping into their minds and they're putting down on paper came from them. But in most cases, Albert said, it comes from the spirit realm, you know, either their guides or somebody else over there. Yeah. So, so most authors do channel, you know, and I'm certainly, I was, when I was doing the manuscript, I, I certainly, you know, I, I'd go along and all of a sudden I'd, I'd be stuck on, on how to say something. And all of a sudden a brilliant idea would come into my mind. And I know now it was coming from the spirit realm. So thanks to those guys. I mean, otherwise it would have been a tough role. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you have any sort of ritual practice or did you have to do anything to get yourself in some sort of meditative state while writing? Like, did you have any relaxation techniques or anything like that? No, I would just basically sit down and at the, at the keyboard and just uh, start writing, you know, and sometimes uh, <clears throat> nothing would come initially. And then after a while, you start writing a couple of sentences and then a few more flow. And uh, it seemed like gradually the tap opened up yeah. and I could just sort of tell what was sort of my fingers were just flying along the keyboard, but nothing special. Um, but no doubt um, the guys on the spirit side were giving me a lot of messages and, and helping me write my manuscripts. Wow, that's fascinating. So how, how uh, can you talk a bit about then some of your, your experiences that led to this third book, I guess? We'll get into that a little bit deeper. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, there was, I, I saw a lot of fascinating places, talked to a lot of very wise souls. One of the first things in, in my first book is, is uh, um, I had a, uh, an astral trip to an aquarium in California um, where there I, I met and talked with, by telepathy, uh, uh, an orca, a killer whale that was in captivity. Mm-hmm. And that was really quite interesting because this this killer whale, uh, basically, uh, you know, after my conversation with her, I realized that whales and dolphins are really highly intelligent, sensitive, feeling creatures with emotions, even though humans don't really think that they are. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and they're, they're, uh, they communicate with each other by, each other by telepathy, um, and their 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 only their only hope is that uh, someday humans will stop abusing their kin. You know, like the over the centuries that you know whales and dolphins have been hunted by you know whaling ships and trapped in nets and imprisoned in water parks and poisoned with our pollution. And they really hope that someday we can see the light and stop 
doing that to them. They just want to live in harmony with us and with the other creatures on the planet and with Mother Nature herself. And they really don't want to, uh, you know, be subject to further abuse from us. They acknowledge that humans have been getting better in the last while in terms of trying to stop the abuse, but there's still too much of it going on. And so it was really a plea for her to say, you know, please tell your fellow humans to give us a break. Stop abusing us. Stop, uh, you know, imprisoning us in your water parks where you make us do silly tricks for the spectators because we really don't want to do that. We want to be out in the ocean where we can frolic in the blue waters of the Pacific and enjoy life as it was intended for us. So it was really quite a heartfelt message from this killer whale. And uh, I put that in my book because I wanted other people to understand their perspective, their point of view, and understand that they are really very intelligent creatures, even though they don't have any technology. What about fish? Did they, did they mention anything about fish? I'm trying or? to get the walrus whisperer on. I've been the, talking to him. Yeah, Damaris or whatever. Damaris, yeah, the SeaWorld guy. Fish? Fish don't have feelings, I thought. Well, they, that's what I'm wondering. Did Garnet, did you get a sense of like what the fish are? Can we eat fish, do you think? Uh, didn't get into that. Uh, she What's your sense? She, What's your sense on that? You, you know, I mean, uh, all animals have souls. Uh, not all animals are as highly developed in terms of feelings and emotions yeah. uh, as, uh, say, the whales and the dolphins. Uh, so we didn't really get into that. I suspect that they have <coughs> that they have feelings and emotions to some degree, but not as highly developed as the whales and the dolphins. Um, <laughs> whales and dolphins are sort of at the top of the uh, of the of the food chain in terms of feelings and emotions and uh, telepathic abilities. I think. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it, it doesn't matter because all creatures, uh, you know, they have they have souls and they have a, their own right to be in the universe, to be on our planet, and we should not abuse any of them. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember I took my dad to a, a Korean healer once when he had cancer. Like this is quite a quite a while ago now, and he was trying to get us to meditate as a you know as a family and to also stop eating. Um, red meat and chicken and stuff. And we talked about like fish being, and he was, this guy thought that fish were at a lower level of consciousness and that it's okay. Like a, that a cow and like pigs and, and chickens know that they're dying or know when they're going to die. And like, so it almost made, it made sense to me. It resonated with me at the time that like, there's like these different levels of, of consciousness and fish, like obviously whales and dolphins would be at the top, but like fish were just okay because they weren't really that advanced yeah, and, and, and uh, you know we didn't get into that sort of level of discussion but albert has said to me you know i i had a a, a question for him you know, in my second book i think it was and i said you know should uh, every every one of us become vegetarians and he said well you know humans have been omnivores for you know you know for two million years and he said that, that it's not realistic to expect everyone to suddenly stop eating animal flesh and he said it's not inherently wrong to eat animal flesh just like it's not inherently wrong to do anything on earth there's no absolute right or wrongs on our planet right despite what the religions say so he says it's not wrong to eat animal flesh but we should only eat what's necessary for for our survival and we should uh, you know uh, get rid of uh, you know some of these quirky things like eating shark fin soup and uh, you know all the other things that aren't part of that we don't need to eat to survive and we should stop, you know, like killing sharks just for their fins and other, you know, egregious examples of how we abuse animals. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but if we're if we treat animals with respect, and and that means, of course, you know, the ones who are raised for for food, if we don't abuse them and treat them uh, properly, and then kill them, you know, uh, uh, in a humane fashion uh, uh, to be, you know, be fed to humans, then he said, there's nothing, you know, he, he's not going to say that's wrong, but he says. 
we really should try to cut back on the amount of red meat and uh, uh, that, that we eat, uh, you know, and gradually uh, get rid of the chicken and, you know, then eventually even the fish. He said, because for, it's for our benefit, because we will feel better if we don't eat animal flesh and we'll actually be able to raise our vibrations quicker if we don't, if not weighed sort of weighed down by the, by the, by animal flesh. So he said, we should strive to do this, but, but don't, you know, you, you can't just sort of say outright that uh, yeah. eating animal flesh is just wrong. He says every person has to make their own decision. Yeah. And he's just hoping that more of us will gradually move that way. And I know that I've, I've, I'm still not a vegetarian, but I, I've cut back way back on the amount of, uh, of meat I eat. And I'm hoping to sort of continue that. But, you know, the, the mind is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I was raised, you know, on a farm in Saskatchewan where we had meat and potatoes. That was a standard fare. And it's hard to, for me to break away from that, but I know that I should be trying my best to do so. Yeah, and, and there can be balance there as well. I mean, I've heard people talk about being like a weekend vegetarian or a weekend pescetarian where like they're act, actually at least making strides towards some balance there, like only eating meat on the weekends or maybe only like a couple it's days a week. about or, being um, mindful of where your food comes from, where your meat comes from, what kind of meat you're buying. Because, I mean... Everyone knows plants are conscience, conscious too, so it's just a matter of time till we figure out there's a real level of intelligence there. So wow. yeah, once but, we but can't you, eat meat or vegetables, we're <laughs> fucked. You, you know, I mean, we have to be realistic that we're 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 in a, we're humans. We have physical bodies. We have to feed our physical bodies. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, in, in times past, they didn't have supermarkets where they could go and get all of their nutritional requirements. You know, from the supermarket, that in a strictly vegetarian sense. Now we can now, but it's going to take a while before we sort of switch our thinking around to that. But you know, as Albert said, it's not wrong for a lion to kill and eat a gazelle. They have to do that to survive. You know, it's not wrong for a fox to kill and eat a rabbit because they need to do that to survive. And so, if we if we have to eat meat to survive, you know, that's fine. But we should gradually try to move away from that and move into a, a more of a vegetarian diet. So it's like it's it's an ongoing process, and it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, and uh, you know, you just you, it's not okay for vegetarians to diss all the meat eaters or vice versa. I mean, we all have our own paths to follow. Yeah, and we have to do what we feel is right for us. Hmm. Interesting. So, what about other other uh, messages or, or encounters? Well, one of the surprising ones, uh, Graham, was that that he actually took me for a meeting with Gaia, the consciousness of Mother Earth. Yeah. And, you know, most people think that, that Earth is just a, a, a bunch of in, inert molecules like rivers and mountains and rocks and soil and, you know, all the, all the stuff you see on our planet. And they think it's inert and without any consciousness. Our planet actually has a consciousness. And I, I had a conversation with this consciousness. Her name is Gaia. Um, and it was, uh, Albert took me to a cavern under the North Pole of all places, and he took me there, and, I, and there was sort of nothing in this cavern. Um, uh, it was sort of dimly lit by, you know, glowing walls. And I wondered, you know, why did you bring me here, Albert? There's nothing here. And then all of a sudden I heard this voice. It was from Gaia, and we communicated by telepathy. And she said that uh, she's the consciousness of Mother Earth. And uh, so I was a bit surprised at that. And she said, yes, uh, I do have a consciousness, and I'm not just inert molecules. Uh, and I'm the sum total of everything that you see, you know, right from the, the crust all the way down to the molten core. And I mean, that's me. And she's very protective of her uh, flora and fauna. Like she's really, especially her, her animals, she really wants to, to 
provide uh, a, a safe environment for all of her animals. Um, and she is really distressed at the way humans abuse the other animals on, on, on the planet and abuse her with our pollution. She doesn't understand why we can't see that we shouldn't be polluting the place that we live in. Yeah. And she says we, you know, we, we uh, emit noxious fumes into the atmosphere and, spoil, and spill toxic chemicals in our, uh, our rivers and oceans and our soil. And she says, you know, it doesn't make any sense. You guys are just on a course that if you don't stop it, it's going to come to, it's going to be very bad news for you guys. And she said she really wants us to, to cut back on our pollution. We've been doing, making strides in the last while, but we need to do more. And she said, here's the surprising thing, guys. She said she has the power to fight back. She can actually control and manipulate the natural disasters that happen on our planet, like hurricanes, uh, you know, earthquakes, floods, droughts, and so on. And she says that she has to, she's going to increase the intensity of these, which she has over the last number of years. I think you guys have all seen all the news reports about, you know, the natural disasters that seem to be having um, a greater effect on our planet and, and with ever increasing frequency. And she says, well, you know, I can do more of that. I don't want to get rid of humans, but right now you're like an invasive weed that's sort of trying to take over the whole planet and squeeze out all of my, uh, all my other creatures. And that's just not fair. And so her message to me was, Please tell your fellow humans to, uh, to you know, wake up, uh, change their ways, and quit polluting uh, the place they live in. <clears throat> was, there any, was there anything, when this was starting to happen to you again, did you have a whole bunch of things that you wanted to ask? Like, I mean, obviously, it must have been strange. So you meet, you know, some, some mammals, and then you, you speak with Gaia, and then you, you must be thinking, like, what's next? Like, and what do, what do you want to know personally about the world? Like, did you have a list of questions, or did you have some intention on, like, what to really ask for next? Like, I can imagine myself thinking, okay, like, <clears throat> I could ask some pretty <clears throat> crazy questions here to the next, you know, spirit that I encounter. For the most part in these trips, it wasn't uh, because he was trying to answer my questions. He had an agenda, Albert did. And he wanted me to see things. And so he would just sort of show up unannounced. I wouldn't know when he was coming. And uh, he wouldn't tell me where we're going until basically we got there. And so when I tried to ask him questions, a lot of the times he would say, put that on hold. I'll get back to that later, but I have something to show you. So it was really his agenda. Uh, you know, and he, he took me where he wanted me to go and what he wanted me to write about. So, uh, you know, and I still have a lot of questions he hasn't answered. Uh, I'm hoping that someday he will. But for the most part, all these places he took me to were places that he wanted me to see. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and there was a lesson or something in each, in, in every visitation. Right, right. Man, so that guy one, hey, Darren, does that remind you of that lot? We did this episode recently about... Um, this guy's theory, his name this is guy, Neil, yeah. Neil Adams, and his his theory is that the planets are actually growing. Oh, through pair production and stuff. So, like, and it, and I thought of the, the consciousness of planets and these theories that you hear about, like the Gaia theory and all that, because obviously, if if she's uh, conscious, then other planets are as well, and the whole universe is conscious at some level. Yeah, I would. Uh, Albert didn't uh, uh, mention this to me at all, but I suspect you're right. If 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 planet Earth has a consciousness, why wouldn't all the other planets and most of the things in the universe have a consciousness? Makes sense because we're really all connected to the source, yeah, the source that created us all. And so, because of that interconnection, um, the source is certainly very conscious. And so, uh, you know, why wouldn't everything be not necessarily on the same level? But there's a consciousness to to virtually everything. And so, yeah, I'm sure the other planets have a consciousness. Maybe someday I'll get a chance to talk to them. 
but but clearly Albert wanted me to focus on what's happening on this planet, uh, so I could write about it, and hopefully we can change some people's views on on pollution and and other things that we do and the abuse that we heap on other animals. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys talk about psychedelics or anything like that? Like, I like the idea that uh, you know Earth as a guy is being conscious. Um, that would really you know, that would really give a lot more credence to people who talk about psychedelics being a natural, natural as a part of the evolution of the human mind. If you want to go that far, if nothing else, I mean, it's proven that these things are helping people change their outlook on life or spirituality or fighting addiction or whatever it is. Um, you know, when you, you look at the earth as a conscience thing, that kind of would support that a little bit more. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't get into psychedelics at all, or or, or the use of drugs to sort of, uh, you know, see the spiritual enlightenment uh, part of our universe. But you know, uh, you know that could well be. I don't know. But but what he's really was trying to encourage all humans by whatever means they f- they feel necessary, you know, through meditation or whatever, to uh, embrace love and uh, see the spiritual side of the universe. And, and and that was his his goal is to encourage us to do that, to raise our consciousness raise our vibrations so that one day we can actually, um, you know, uh, leap up and make the ascension to earth in a higher dimension, which is a much more pleasant place than the one we currently have. So clearly uh, that, that, that was his goal to encourage us to, uh, to, to really make a, a step up the spiritual ladder and, uh, and, and get ourselves out of the, the, the cesspool of negative emotions that we currently find ourselves in. Hmm. Yeah, I noticed a couple of chapters in here that uh, like gentle giants and little people. What is it? What what is that? Oh, well, General Dines. <clears throat> what happened was after I left the cavern and had the conversation with Gaia, I, I I said to Albert, I'm surprised about you know what I just encountered, and he said, Oh yeah, well, uh, your planet has many more secrets than you can ever dream about that you you're not even aware of, um, and uh, he said, I'll show you a couple. So first stop was to the uh, a forest in the Pacific Northwest of America, oh. and there I encountered a Sasquatch. <laughs> also known as a Bigfoot or Yeti or whatever. It comes by all kinds of names. And uh, so I had a conversation with this Sasquatch, and her name was Zana. She was about nine feet tall with a kind of like an ape-like head and, and, and uh, muscular body and dark hair covering uh, her entire body. And she was a very wise, intelligent, sentient creature. <clears throat> and she said that the Sasquatch have been around for eons, and and they 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 basically live on all continents of of our planet except Antarctica, and they originated a long time ago in Africa, uh, as a result of uh, of a giant former a giant primate in Africa that's now extinct that was inseminated with the sperm from a a, a a group of humanoid extraterrestrials a long time ago. That's where Sasquatch originated, and and after you know originating in Africa, they spread through all the other continents and. Uh, They've been around for a long time. They hide. They deliberately avoid contact with humans because they view us to be violent and aggressive and they don't want to mess with us. And so they hide in underground cities. They come out mainly at night and they have this, uh, which she terms sort of like an animal sensitive radar. And that sort of radar allowed them to detect humans from many miles away. And that's why they were so adept at avoiding contact with humans because they could detect long before we ever got in, in, in seeing range, they could detect that we were there and they would just go and hide. And the, the odd occasion, they were spotted by humans. Sometimes they were careless and left footprints, but basically they've been pretty discreet about, uh, about having contact with humans and they don't want to 
they don't want to change that because until humans uh, learn to live in harmony with the other creatures on our planet, they have no intention of, of making open contact with us and they're going to continue to hide, which is really a shame because they're really very sensitive, wise, compassionate creatures who just wanted to live close to nature and live in harmony with everybody else on their planet. But uh, huh. they, they found a real obstacle with the human race, which is really unfortunate. That kind of matches, Darren, that kind of matches uh, what Tom Tom Powell was saying. We had a guy on about Sasquatch not too long ago, and he was talking about, you know, it's sh shifting his research into the more um, high strangeness aspect of it because it's not just a flesh and blood type thing. And uh, he mentioned uh, telepathic encounters from people that he was in contact with, and I think the message was very similar to the one that you got, you know? It's very, very close. I can't remember where the origin of them came from as far as those messages. And then Darren's wearing a Take the Shot Sasquatch shirt. <laughs> and I, I, I'm a proponent of Save Sasquatch. I won't take the yes, shot. I just yeah. want to shoot one so that I can protect the beast. <laughs> Well, you don't need to shoot one to protect them, uh, Darren. No, I, you, know, you can you can, you can protect them by convincing your fellow humans to uh, quit messing around and trying to, you know. I'll have if, better if, luck if, with the body, though. If, if, if one of them were captured, um, somebody would put them on display in a circus. You know, I mean, it's just like we're, that's just how humans treat things like that. So that's they're not going to come out of hiding, and you're not going to be able to shoot one, Darren, because they can see you coming from miles away. Exactly. That's the problem. <laughs> That's one of the many problems, Aaron. So, so, so the so the other uh, interesting uh, uh, creature, fabled creature, uh, uh, you know, the stuff of legends that I met was a, a fairy in Ireland, and Albert took me over to Ireland, and there in a secluded glade, I met with a with a little person from Ireland. You know, they've been famous for centuries. The stuff of legends, um, yeah, but nobody's ever been able to catch one or prove that they exist. But I but I met one. She was a a, a little a little. Beautiful little lady. Her name was Brina, about three feet tall. And she looked like a tiny, perfect China doll, like just exquisite. And she was a very nice little person, very timid, uh, very compassionate. She said that the fairies had been living in, in Ireland for, you know, eons before humans arrived. And they had a very nice existence. They would, uh, you know, they were up, up on the surface and they were enjoying, uh, you know, dancing in the rain and, and frolicking in the sunlight. And it all changed when humans arrived on the island. Uh, and at first they thought that humans were just bigger versions of themselves. Then they soon discovered that we're really mean and aggressive and violent and belligerent and that we were not to be, it was not wise for them to be around us. And so they went into hiding just like the Sasquatch. And they currently now live in underground cities as well. They come out at night, uh, you know, when they can. Uh, they try to avoid detection. Um, and they hope one day, like the Sasquatch, that we can change our ways so they can freely you know, come out on the surface and uh, and frolic in the sunlight once again and not worry about being attacked or abused by humans. So again, a similar message, but it just goes to show you there are more things in our planet, uh, you know, as, as, as uh, Shakespeare said, there are more things dreamed of in your philosophy uh, in, in heaven and earth that are, that are dreamed of in your philosophy, you know, and that's was really demonstrated to me is that there's all kinds of things that Gaia has up her sleeve that we, uh, that, that science has just not recognized or acknowledged. So interesting experience. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you talk about it pretty comfortably. I was wondering, listening to you there, like you, you know, you must realize that some people, a lot of people, uh, you know, m must think that's just crazy, right? But I mean, you know, for some of us who have had some experiences 
un- that are unexplainable or whatever. Like you just don't, you just don't really seem to give a shit if, if people think that's crazy or not. Right. Like you're pretty comfortable no, I'm, with I'm, it. I'm, I'm, I'm way past that. I know that some people think I'm crazy. It, it doesn't bother me. I, I, initially when I first came out of the spiritual closet and wrote my first book, spiritual I, was, closet. I like that. Yeah. That's the term that one of my fellow authors said, I came out of the spiritual closet. <laughs> uh, so when I did, uh, initially, um, I was concerned that uh, people would uh, would laugh at me behind my back and think I had lost my mind. Uh, but you know, uh, after going down the road a ways, I don't care anymore. They can think what they like. I mean, I know what I saw, I, I know what I viewed. Yeah, uh, I, I know what Albert told me, and I'm quite happy in my own skin and my own space in terms of where I am. And so, you know, let let the skeptics laugh all they want. I don't care. Yeah. <clears throat> So I was going to, you know, that's what, I wonder why that's, that sounds like fairies uh, that contact kids or whatever, right? You know how kids seem to have more of an experience because they're just not like the nasty trolls that like adult humans are. So that kind of makes sense as well. Yeah. Uh, well, they can be pretty nasty. Kids? <laughs> oh yeah. I have kids. To fairies? What? Not to fairies, well, no. But yeah, but. They're not all. Not all. They're not all smart. You know, most of the time they are, but <laughs> sometimes I think my daughter might be the devil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think children probably do see uh, people from the spirit realm and fairies and other things more often than adults do because they're more open to to, to seeing things and, 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 and just trying to understand what it is as opposed to immediately dissing what you see as a, as a dream or hallucination or, uh, or something gone wrong with your mind, you know? And, and so all too often parents will just, uh, you know, tell their children, well, you, you didn't really see a spirit or a fairy or whoever. It's just your imagination. And they call them imaginary friends, but in most cases they're not imaginary. So you should keep that in mind, uh, Darren, as your kids tell you about their experience with spirits. Oh no, they don't. Uh, I don't. They don't really talk about that a lot. I just mean uh, my kids aren't always all sunshine and rainbows, as Graham alluded to. But uh, <laughs> my daughter does actually talk about she. She talks about past lives sometimes. Really? Not directly, but she'll talk about oh, when I was this, or when I was when I was a boy, or when I was your grandpa. Or... That, that happens often, Darren. I mean, I, I have read about other cases where children do ta- talk about past lives or they, they will start speaking a language they've never been exposed to and it comes from a past life or they will uh, go to a different city and all of a sudden they will know things about the city that they, that they shouldn't know because they've never been there before, but they're remembering a, a past life. And so it does happen often. It soon fades away, though, because uh, parents usually don't just tend to dismiss what they're saying. And eventually their memories just fade, but uh, that does happen often. And it's just, you know, it's just a matter of uh, uh, the memories of a previous life leaking through to the current life, um, but those memories soon fade. And so, like, I don't remember any of my past lives. I don't know if you guys do, uh, you know, but that's just natural for humans. Yeah, I've had a couple past life regressions and, and I've had some interesting things come up from that, but not, I can't just consciously just go, go there and remember it. It's interesting about the culture thing that you guys are talking about with the kids and stuff. I, I just saw this documentary that a listener recommended that I watch, and it was um, about Iceland, I believe, and uh, how they believe so much more than we do about uh, like spirit, f- spirits, f- fairies, fairies, and spirits, and 
and uh, you know everything from ET and all this, and even like the people in the town council and the police and the, everybody has just accepted that like you know like fairies and elves and all this exist, and the kids grow up realizing that it's a possibility, and there's a bunch of mediums and healers like and it changes the whole dynamic and the amount of experience people see like there's a whole school school um classroom seeing this uh, sea monster in the lake like all kinds of experiences and it seems like it really is because people have that belief system as they grow up and like here in the western part in canada and the states especially you just can't you're not allowed to talk about that stuff really you know i mean well I guess with some parents you can, but I think it does affect the uh, type of experience that people have. Yeah, we have a different mindset in North America, and I'm, I, I wasn't aware of uh, how it was in Iceland, but I'm very encouraged by that. I mean, if we can get more countries to follow their lead, it would re- be really great and would sort of encourage people, whether adults or children, who encounter spirits or encounter elves or fairies or whatever, to really be not afraid to speak up and talk about it. And right now, I think there's too much too much fear in people that if they start talking about you know spirits and so on, that other people, their friends, neighbors, relatives are going to think they're going crazy. And so that's just uh, that's that's holding people back. And it'd be nice if more people would come forward and say, "Yeah, this is what I saw." I think it would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's called uh, "Elves, Ghosts, Sea Monsters, and ETs in Iceland: Investigation into the Invisible World." I'd like to move to Iceland. You know, they got like the best. Uh you know, they threw all the bankers in jail. It seems like their economy is doing well. It seems like the people are happy. It's just cold. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in the winter. <laughs> yeah. I, Although I'm told it's, it's pleasant in the summer, but the summers are short, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah I agree with you. It's, Iceland sounds like a idyllic uh, kind of country, and uh, I'd like to visit there someday. But uh, if you do before me, Darren, send me an email and tell me what you think. I will do. I'll, maybe I'll get you some... Uh, some fairy dust no, or something? No, the puffin. What's the puffin? Uh, remember, Dvorak was talking about oh, the... the fish? Uh, no, it's a bird, but they prepare it a certain way. Oh, and yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. supposed to be just the most awful thing ever. Yeah. They're so cute, the little puffins. <clears throat> so, Garnet, what, was there, what were some of the other highlights from your encounters of this, this book then? Well, one of the other interesting things uh, about the, the history of our planet, you know, like... Uh, most archaeologists say that uh, I can't remember how old they think you or how long humans have been around on the planet. Albert actually took me to the Akashic Records on the spirit side. As you guys know, the Akashic Records have the records of every life that's ever been lived anywhere in the universe. And, and so he showed me a scene where there was a human civilization uh, that lived among the dinosaurs 65 million years ago. Huh. Now, the, the archaeologists say that's not possible because we have no evidence of it. You know, that, I mean, that's the scientific community. But he actually showed me. And, and, and this was sort of a, it was a, 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 a small village, basically. It was a, in, a, in a basically a walled city to keep the marauding dinosaurs out. And they had a very a basic life, no technology to live close to nature. Uh, men and women were equal in all respects. They shared the, the cooking, cleaning, child rearing, hunting, you know, house building duties. Um, and uh, they had no crime or violence because they understood their connection to the source and to each other. Uh, so it was a very pleasant, harmonious society. And they did kill other animals for food and for clothing for, for their skins, but only what they needed, and they didn't waste anything. Yeah. And so it was, uh, it was interesting. I actually saw a hunting party sort of creep through the tall grass outside of their, their village and kill a hadrosaurus with spears. 
and then they quickly hacked it into pieces and, and strung the, the meat and everything else on poles between them and then headed back to their village. And then they heard the, the roar of a marauding Tyrannosaurus Rex. So they quickly scooted in through the, the main gate of their walled city uh, just in time. And the T-Rex came and, and banged his head against the, uh, the door, but it was very thick. He couldn't get in, and so eventually he went away. But it was really quite of an interesting scene. And then the tragedy of it all is that um, not long after I viewed that scene, uh, Albert said that the, uh, the, the asteroid hit the Yucatan Peninsula, that, that some scientists have already acknowledged, and it kicked up a bunch of dust and caused a bunch of volcanic eruptions all around the world, which kicked up more you know, uh, dust and smoke and so on. And the planet basically ended up in a nuclear winter like for you know, three or four years. That basically um, killed off most of the dinosaurs and a lot of the plants. And unfortunately, this civilization, this village that they, where they lived, it was buried under about 200 meters of lava from a nearby volcano. And so why haven't they discovered it? It's buried under a lot of very thick lava. Someday we may find it. But anyway, wow. it was interesting yeah. for me to see this scene in the Akashic Records. Huh. It would be interesting if we found it, if it was somewhat preserved because of where it was buried. Like Pompeii. Yeah, Albert says, yeah. Albert says we'll, we'll find it someday. It's just that they haven't gotten around to it yet. <clears throat> they haven't noticed anything, any evidence to start digging. So they haven't, they haven't done it. This, this civilization was in Central America somewhere. Did you get a sense of how long it was around for? Like, was it over, over like thousands and thousands of years? Uh, yeah, I think it was around for quite a while. And, uh, uh, you know, humans were originally, this group of humans were originally seated by the ETs from another planet. And so they were dropped into, into the planet Earth. Uh, he didn't say how long before that, but uh, um, I think it was for quite a while. Uh, and, and they were an experiment to see if, you know, how humans would do on Earth. Anyway, that poor civilization got wiped out through no fault of their own. But humans have been seated periodically since then, oh. and, you know, and uh, so we've had a long history. Uh, but some some of the experiments, you know, didn't work for various reasons. In some cases, like uh, Atlantis and Lemuria, humans rose up to a very high level, a lot of technology, and then just destroyed their civilization basically uh, because their uh, technology went amok, or the people who ran it did. And so there was a lot of civilizations who crashed and burned through their fault. But this one that lived among the dinosaurs, it was just a freak accident of, uh, of the cosmos. You know, the asteroid hit and, uh, you know, the rest is history. How much influence do they have after the seeding? Like, do they just seed and then let, let you be? Or? Yeah, basically their directive is, uh, the ETs, is that they seed the, the life and then they have to let it play out as it will. So they didn't know how humans would end up, uh, uh, you know, dealing with the, the planet Earth or how their civilization would turn out. And they, they weren't allowed to sort of directly interfere they have over the ages helped us by giving us some inspiration for uh, technological advances uh, that, that would make living better and easier for us. But they couldn't sort of directly, you know, uh, you give us their advanced equipment uh, or they couldn't stop us from uh, killing each other in wars. Uh, you know, they had to sort of let that play out. And, and they're really... Uh, they're really upset with sort of our current civilization, the way we've developed, because we're sort of at the same point that... Uh, Atlantis and Lemuria and some of the other ones were before they crashed and burned. And they're concerned we'll do the same because we have weapons of mass destruction and we can basically wipe out all life on our planet if we let loose uh, with them. Yeah. And they're hoping that, that we won't. But they're not allowed to come in and just destroy our weapons and say, you know, make nice guys because we're here and we're in charge. So they have to sort of stand back and watch, uh, watch us uh, 
abuse each other and kill each other and hope that we'll turn the corner before it's too late. So was Atlantis like uh, Atlantis and Murray? Are they like, were they places on the world or were they like a name for the world? Like, you know, some days our, our old civilization will be called Earth, like oh, the, back in the Earth days. Yeah, as I understand it, uh, Darren, they were places on Earth, uh, you know, like they, they covered specific areas. Atlantis was in the Atlantic Ocean and Lemuria in the Pacific. And so they actually had specific places for the civilization and they rose up to great levels. And uh, then they ended up, uh, because of mishandling their technology, they just uh, they destroyed their civilizations. And it happened. it happened in those two cases, of which we have some records of it, although a lot of people dispute that they actually existed. And then there's been a few others that uh, we're not even aware of that did the same thing. And so it's been a bit of pattern with humans on Earth uh, to, uh, you know, to rise up to great levels and then just end up uh, crashing and burning. And, uh, and, and so they really are hoping we don't do it again this time, uh, even though we now have the capability of doing that. So that, that's really sort of their, their wish and their hope. But they can't just sort of step in and make everything right for us. It's just not part of what they're allowed to do here. Did you figure out where home is then, where we're being seeded from? No, he uh, he never did tell me where humans originated. But but human, there are human civilizations on many other planets in our galaxy. So Earth is not the only place for humans. But he didn't say where the where the where we originated or what our first planet is. Um, but he did take me to uh, to a couple of other planets uh, that uh, have human civilizations, and uh, one of them was very depressing. It was a a, a planet where they had seeded two different uh, races at the same time. One was human. The other one was sort of like a, a human mutant uh, that had been mutated from a, uh, from basically a feline, from a cat. So they had a human body and a cat-like head. And they had put one group on one continent and the other group on another continent. They were still very primitive and they wanted to see who's going to develop faster and, and what's going to happen when they finally discover each other. And so, uh, unfortunately, the human, uh, the human uh, race on that planet developed slower than the other one. And the other one advanced more quickly, and eventually they found a way to uh, build boats and cross the ocean to go to the continent where the humans were. And because they were more advanced and they had more advanced weapons, they basically enslaved the humans. And they made the humans uh, work in the, in the mines that they used to... to uh, uh, to create, uh, you know, to find minerals that they needed for their weapons and other other industry. So when I went to this planet, we went to the human side, and these poor humans were just totally enslaved. They had to work basically twelve hours a day in a, in the mines, uh, and then they went back to, a, a, you know, squalor in the villages that were guarded and with high fences and so on. So it was a horrible existence. And I said to Albert, "Why doesn't the why don't the ETs do something about this?" And it was sort of the same answer. Well, they can't really interfere. They, they, they planted this experiment, two different species on this planet. Uh, and, uh, you know, the other species, unfortunately, was more dominant and the humans were enslaved and subjugated. And uh, he said, that's the way it played out. Uh, but although somebody was going to, ha- had made a petition to the council, to the Galactic Federation, to see if there was some way they could, uh, you know, uh, s- save the, the humans on this planet and help them under their predicament. So that was a dis- dis- depressing kind of a, uh, a visitation I had of a human civilization. Uh, I went to another one, which is really quite different, um, and it was a very advanced, uh, advanced uh, uh, civilization, advanced technology. They had uh, modern, ultra modern cities with uh, tall buildings and flying cars and moving walkways and the whole thing. The interesting thing about this one was that it was a matriarchal society ruled solely by women. 
And so there were men in the society, but they didn't have the right to vote. They couldn't hold any positions of power or authority. And they, they were basically, uh, uh, you know, sort of out of the scheme of things in terms of running the planet. And I met there with uh, the empress there. Her name was Marpesia. And she was elected by the vote of all the women on the planet. And she said that, that, that uh, you know, even though it's a matriarchal society, uh, they didn't subjugate their men. They weren't cruel to their men. Uh, and their men could, uh, were free to sort of pursue rec- activities and sports uh, you know, find a low-level job if they wanted to or just enjoy life. And she says the reason that men allowed this to happen was because they were all sterilized chemically at the age of three. And so they had basically no testosterone. And she said that eons ago, um, they had uh, been a patriarchal society ruled by violent and aggressive men. And then one day, one of their women had a dream. She had a vision uh, which told her that there was a plant in their forest that if ingested by the men would drastically reduce their testosterone levels. And so she found this plant and, and basically started feeding it to her husband and give it to other women and, and soon it spread around. And eventually they moved from a patriarchal society to the matriarchal society they have right now. And so it was very peaceful, harmonious. She said that the women you know, seldom got into disagreements and when they did, they settled all of their conflicts peacefully. So there was no violence, no crime. And 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 no uh, no violence certainly from the men because they were all very docile and compliant and deferential and so that was a different example of a human civilization that took a much different turn than say the one on on our planet and you know and I said to her you know that's an extreme surely there must be a happy medium between the extremes of your planet and the extremes of my planet maybe there's some something halfway ground where we can all live together you know peacefully and harmoniously without having all the men sterilized. Uh, and she just sort of shook her head and said, well, good luck to you, but uh, we're not changing our ways. And, and I said, okay, well, you, if you don't mind, I'm going to get the heck out of here before you decide to uh, convert me into one of your men. And so away we went. Yeah. <laughs> I had no desire to be a eunuch on her planet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so back to our planet for a bit. Like, do, do you think there is a point when they can intervene? Like oh, you've heard these um, stories of uh, nuclear bases being... Uh, like <clears throat> I intervened uh, by by UFOs, and I'm not saying it's all ET. It could be something else. But but uh, there, is there a point when over the years they're they're staying away, they're not intervening, and then we start uh, blowing up nuclear weapons in the 40s and stuff? Is there is there something that will actually you know allow them to do that? Yeah, according to Albert, they if we're going to do something, it would absolutely destroy our whole planet. Um, they could stop it and stop that. But if it's just a matter of, uh, you know, fighting among ourselves and wars and skirmishes and genocide and terrorist activities, they're just basically have to let it play out. And so if it really gets very serious and we're going to blow up our whole planet, they can step in. And so I don't know. He didn't mention about the, you know, I've, I've read about those episodes, too, where they're allegedly are, uh, you know, interfering with with nuclear plants or nuclear weapons. Or I've heard some stories that they're actually destroying some of the weapons. Albert did not... Uh, Disclose that to me. Uh, he didn't comment on it, so I don't know if that's true or not. But uh, I, I would, I would actually stand up and cheer if I thought the ETs were allowed to interfere more directly, because I think it would help us a lot. Yeah, interesting. I, you know, you, people also say that those nuclear weapons are doing more, um, more damage to not just Earth, but it goes past our, our, you know, our atmosphere and our, you know, has some some deeper effects in our 
solar system. So interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I've heard too also uh, that um, you know the, the reason there's so many of them watching planet Earth is that because um, they're really afraid that if we blow up our planet, it's going to affect a lot more things than just our planet, affect the solar system, and in fact, if, affect a lot of other things in the galaxy. And he didn't really get explained in detail how this would happen, but he said that's why there are so many different ET races watching what we're doing and hoping that we can pull the fat out of the fire before we end up having to, you know, be rescued by the by the ETs and because they really don't want us to blow up our planet. Yeah. Well, we must be at the most interesting time. Like if all this was really happening and there was people watching the planet, we are at that time where we're like ready to leave the planet or blow it up. Like we're at the cusp, like it must only come around so often, right? Where the civilization is, is, is apt to destroy itself or move on and destroy other worlds. Like it's, it's must be, like the best tourist attraction ever. Like, oh, here's planet Earth, and it's you know they're at that they're at that point. It's like nine to nine in overtime, and yeah, no, you you actually said it very well, uh, Graham, because that's a, that's basically what it is. Is that we're at a very crucial point in our development. It's either we're going to take the left fork or the right fork, and uh, you know, depending on which one we take, we could you know destroy all our civilization, or we could move on and uh, start exploring the stars and, uh, and 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 move on up the spiritual ladder. So we're at a very crucial point, and the the activity, the the observation activity, really did pick up once we split the atom in the Second World War, because all of a sudden they sort of like woke up and said, hey, these guys are really more advanced than we thought that they were. And now they have the capability of blowing themselves up. So we better get in there and, 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 and watch what's going on and be ready if we have to move in to stop that from happening. It sounds like there's an overarching message as well that you've been getting. It's, it's basically like love and compassion. I mean, we've heard that before as well from other guests and stuff. And it's, it's um, I don't yeah, know. I mean, that, that is the ultimate message. I mean, the, 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 the way to save ourselves is quite simple. I mean, simple in concept, not so much, not so simple to actually put it into practice. But the, the concept is embrace love and compassion. And if you embrace, fully embrace love and compassion, um, you know, the, the, the negative emotions like fear, anger, hate, greed, jealousy, all those emotions that cause so much violence and troubles on our planet, all those emotions, if you fully embrace love, will just melt away like a snowbank in the spring. And that's, that's, that's a simple, that's where we have to go. That's where we have to get to. And if we can do that, we can save our civilization. And it's, it's not easy for a lot of people to control their negative emotions, you know. Uh, but it's something that we need to do, and uh, that's that's the goal. I mean, our our task is clearly set before us. Just a matter of trying to implement it, and 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 the people who know where we should be going, like you guys and me and a bunch of other hosts and people who write books, we need to tell everyone else uh, what the problem is and how we can solve it, and then maybe we can move forward and uh, and get ourselves out of this mess. I keep thinking it's like. A- it's like there's going to be a tipping point where it doesn't have to be everybody or it doesn't even have to be half, but it has to be a certain amount of people that kind of realize that love and compassion is the way and then maybe it'll shift things. Yeah, I'm not sure where the tipping point is, Graham, but, but clearly at some point, uh, you know, things will tip over in favor of uh, love and compassion. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're, we're not there yet, but we need to keep working at it. And then when it happens, I think it could, it'll just be an amazing uh, development and everyone will be so much happier. But, uh, you know, there's still way too much negativity in our planet. And that's, that's just the cause of too many of our problems. Has Albert having or given any insight into the monetary system and you know how money is controlling people and it seems to be you know the cause of most people's trouble or their burdens or 
you know, if you talk to most people, that's the one thing that kind of controls their happiness is as sad as it sounds more than anything, which is, I mean, you know, they say money can't buy you happiness, but I mean, I think that comes at a point because when you can't afford to buy food for your kids or something, I mean, it's pretty hard to be happy. Yeah, it's it's a major factor in our lives, uh, Darren, for sure. Albert did not specifically talk about the monetary system or the control of money in our planet, um, but to me, it just makes sense that that's all part of the negative negativity we have in our planet. I mean, the control of money is nothing more than uh, you know a, an expression of greed, and it's the the people who have lots of money want more of it, and they're not willing to share it with the other people, and that's that's why some people have very little; they don't have enough to eat or drink, and they don't have you know enough clothes to wear. On the other spectrum, there's a whole bunch of people who have way more than they need, and they just keep on trying to grab you know, as many, much more money as they can. And so that's just part of one of the very negative emotions we have, which is greed. So Garnet, how, how is your view? How's, how's your worldview changed? Like we know that some of it, you know, you've, you've had this huge shift. It's like a 180 degree shift since you're a lawyer. And um, now you're you know writing these books about spiritual encounters and stuff like that. How, what else, how else has your worldview shifted over the last few years? Well, I just I, I look at, at everything around me quite differently, Graham. Like especially people, and I realize that all people, you know, you see them walking down the street, your neighbors, coworkers, whatever. Uh, you realize that they're all uh, spirits, uh, spiritual people having a human journey on Earth, and that we're all souls. And so we're you know we we all came from the same place. We came from the spirit side. We came here for a human incarnation. When our bodies die, we all go back there, and that realization just makes me you know recognize that we're all connected and that we should all understand that we're all having a different journey and that we should never judge other people because you don't know what challenges they've faced. Yeah. You don't know what lives they've had in the past. You don't know where they're going in the future. So it's really, uh, there's no way you can actually judge people and you shouldn't judge people because because if you really love other people, there's no room for judgment. And so I look at people much differently. I also look at animals much differently. I mean, I, I, I uh, was raised on a farm and I, you know, we, uh, we raised animals, chickens, cows, pigs, you know, and, and I, I didn't never sort of felt that they were, um, you know, uh, connected to me in any way. I realize now from Albert that they all have a, a consciousness and a sense of, of, of feelings, um, you know, different levels for sure. Uh, you know, they have souls. And so, um, you, you know, I, I just look at animals much differently. And, and uh, you, you know, like even my little pet dog, uh, the one I have right now, I look at her much differently since I met Albert and realize that she's uh, just having her own journey on earth and she's uh, trying to find her way, you know, through her her, her journey on earth, just like I am. And eventually at the end of the day, she's going back to the spirit side as well. So it, it's, it's very different perspective and it just makes, uh, makes me look at things way differently than I did before. <clears throat> and it's easier on you too. Like I find myself judging people quite a bit and I'm like, and then I start thinking, why am I even judging them or, or even upset at what they did to me? Because who knows what's going on with them? Like all that negative uh, self-talk and all that, stuff going on in my head like it's just not healthy either like just let let that shit go and and realize like that guy that cut me off in traffic maybe he's got a lot worse shit going on right now than me like why am i worried about you know all aggro because he he did something to me right no that very well said graham and that's exactly what people need to do is they need to realize that like you like you say when somebody cuts you off in traffic instead of giving them the middle finger salute 
just you know uh, pipe down and say okay that guy's maybe having a bad day who knows what happened to him you know he's just trying to struggle his way through life on earth and uh, you know cut him some slack and i think if we all do that more and 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 not let our anger well up and govern what's going on and 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 you know in some cases i can remember when I would get cut off in traffic, I would get so angry that it would bother me for, yeah. the, for the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's just totally stupid because it's, it's, a, it's a waste of energy. It's just a, a, a you know. And it's hurting a, yourself. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it just, it, there's nothing good that could come of it. Uh, and we just have to let these things pass by and get on with our lives. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. So Grant, is there anything else you want to touch on before we wrap this thing up? No, I don't think so. I, I wouldn't mind telling people where they can uh, get information about me and my books. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I'm yeah, going to link okay. to I'm going to link to all your stuff in the show notes sure. as well, so people can just uh, swipe right or left or whichever way they swipe and go to the show notes and, and click on your website from there as well. Yeah. Well, the best source of information about me and my books is my website, which you're going to have a, a link on your uh, on your webpage, um, and there you can uh, you can read a synopsis about each of the books. You can download a free excerpt. You can watch a book video. Um, there are buy links on my website where you can immediately dial into Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Chapters Indigo, whatever, and get to where you can buy my books. Um, there's links to all my social media sites there, like Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Google Plus and YouTube. And on my website, I have posted the recordings of all the radio shows I've done since I first had my radio, my first radio show in June of 2013. Nice. And so right now, this is number 84 for me. And <laughs> nice. all those recordings are there. Great. Uh, two of us, two, two Grammaricas will be up there. That's yeah. Good. Yes. Yeah. This one will go up as soon as I get the recording. Yeah. Right on. Good, good stuff. Well, thanks a lot. Guy. Are you on the Twitter? Yeah. He's on the Twitter yeah. too. I'm Twitter too. Yeah. Are we following you? Uh, I don't know, but it would be nice if you did. Yeah, we should be. I probably have. And then, and then and follow uh, me on Facebook as well. That would be great. And then I unfollowed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. No. no. Anyway, it, it's been great, guys. Thank you yeah. for having me, and it's uh, I've really enjoyed being here. Yeah, thanks a lot, Garnet. Take care. Take care. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. And big thanks to Garner for coming back on the show. What do you think, buddy? Hey, it was uh, interesting. It sounded a little more, um, yeah, a little more, uh, what should I say? Not extreme, but a little more out there maybe than the last couple. Like it's like his messages are beginning, becoming getting a little sort of deeper, a little more like involved. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. What'd you think? It was good. Yeah, like good to have Garnet back, good old Calgary boy. Yeah. I still think we need to shoot a squatch, but you I, know, I, I'm fascinated by the people that have these experiences that switch them like 180 degrees. Like a bunch of our guests have had these things happen in their life. They switch, they start researching something, they start writing books. And it reminds me of the message from like Neil Donald Walsh or some of these like non-dogmatic spiritual sort of channeling books that, you know, you could argue and say, oh, well, channeling doesn't, you know, it's not real or whatever. But the messages from these books are pretty fucking good. They're just love and compassion. You know, and it's not dogma. It's not very, you need to believe this. You need to believe that. It's just like, be be good to each other. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's never like they need the money or they're not trying to hustle you. It always just seems like a nice yeah. message. Yeah, exactly. But we need you to do some astral traveling. I know. Well, you know what happened the other night? I drank lucid 
tea and then the, also the peace tea, which has some other ingredients in it. To, lucid tea and, a drug? Well, it kept me awake. Fuck, I was pissed off. I had two, <laughs> two cups of it and then I was awake. And, yeah, it didn't work. It does, worked the opposite, actually. Does the lucid tea have... Uh... No, there's no like mind-altering substances Caffeine? in Caffeine? No, I don't think so. No, it's all natural. Get the it's all natural. Non caffeinated. Like. Yeah, isn't caffeine natural? It helps me. Re- it helps me have clear. It coffee. helps me have clearer dreams, and I remember them a little bit better. I don't necessarily remember them more the, that day, but I remember them more like when it's happening. If that makes sense. Isn't uh, caffeine's naturally comes in coffee? Could naturally come in. Yeah, I don't think they're. They're herbal teas, I think. Right? Doesn't herbal tea not have caffeine and the other tea does or something? I suppose it depends I'm, on the just herb. Getting or does into caffeine tea have to be a bean? No, I don't think so. No. Because caffeine is black tea or Regular green tea, tea has would tons come of from caffeine. A leaf, in it. Wouldn't it? A leaf's a herb. Uh, is a leaf a herb? I don't know. Neither of us are intelligent <laughs> enough to be having this conversation. <laughs> I'd like to know what podcast I know a herb you, comes from a leaf. <laughs> What are you doing? Like, like you're grabbing some balls. The herb, like oh, herb. What's herb? Herb is that your boyfriend? Herb. <laughs> what were you saying? What podcast player are you using that you can swipe left or right to get to the show notes? Oh, uh, eyecatcher, man. No, nah, if you swipe, you fast forward. No, look. When it's in this, when it's in this mode, uh, when it's in the list mode, look. Watch, watch. Grimerica talks NDEs in the Dead Saints Chronicles. Look, I put. Pop it to the no. show notes, and I get them all right there. Yeah, but if the podcast is playing, well, then you just click on the top right. Then you swipe it. Yeah, then you click on the top right. You're gonna have people. A bunch of people are gonna fast forward the show. Oh yeah, good point. They're not always with the. You fucked us. No, they're not always with that up and open. Like when I'm listening, I'm on my phone as well, right? You're listening then, to the oh, there you go. Let's see what happens. Corbett Report. Oh, actually, it goes back. Unless they go, if they go the other way. Come on, you're advertising for another podcast here. You're listening to what the, the Corbett Report. So it goes forward 15 seconds and yeah. back. You didn't know that? I yeah, do it all I the time. I fucking knew that. I do it all the time. For what, commercials? Uh, no, when I was not paying attention. I was like internal I and I just yeah. go back a little bit. Internal. I um, fast forward like thirty seconds through commercials or, or more. I don't listen to commercials. Absolutely, that's why we're commercial free. Of course, uh, check out grammarica.ca/support for all the different ways you can help keep us that way. Of course, the monthly subscribers are the guys who really help us pay the bills. Yeah, but we'll take one-time donations as well. Of course, right now we're running our campaign grammarica.ca/upgrade. Um, we're about thirty percent to our no thirty almost thirty percent to 30%. our uh, to our goal of a, yeah. new, a new computer. So we got thirty three tickets sold at the time of this recording. So that leaves about oh I don't know eighty two left. Yeah. So jump on them. They're twenty bucks each. Three for fifty. Um, we will be raffling off that iPad and the Grand America Prize Pack as soon as the tickets are sold out or on June first. What? Do you think we can do it by June 1st? Well, I don't know. That's when the Is that what we decided to do? That's what it says on the site. Does it? Did we put, we put a timeline well, on it as well? That says three 
year anniversary. Okay, yeah, fair enough. We'll do it. We're and if we don't, 30, and if done. we don't sell enough, then we'll just pay the rest ourselves and we'll just raffle it off. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're uh, I think we'll be okay. Don't forget the best part of it is, is the winner would obviously get to join us on the join show. Join us on a show with the guest of their choice, assuming that we cannot get a hold of the guests and schedule them and all that good stuff. Uh, the other thing is, I was going to mention on that other swiping is that I do always make the music breaks exactly one minute. So it's a double 30 second ahead, skip ahead. Really? Yeah. I just started that about 40 episodes ago. That's good to know. Now you know. Yeah. All right, guys. Sign up for the newsletter. Spam Graham. G-R-A-H-A-M. Not the way Darren says it. At GrahamAmerica.com. And uh, tell your friends about the show. Other than that, thanks for listening, guys. And we will see you next week.